1: So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry,
0: built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style.
1: Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast where we talk about strategies and suggestions for how to make our lives happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. This week we talk about how to make a better connection when talking to somebody we don't know, and we do a deep dive on people's responses to the question, what's a positive trend that we should all appreciate but perhaps overlook? I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, the five senses, human nature. I'm in New York City in my little home office. And joining me today from L.A. is my sister Elizabeth Kraft, my sister the sage.
0: That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And Gretchen, I'm glad you think I'm a sage. I don't feel like one all the time. But I appreciate that you give me that title.
1: Well, I think that's an aspect of a sage is they don't think that they're a sage. I think if you think that you're a sage, you're probably not as sage-like as you think. So that's a good sign. I take that as confirmation. (laughs) A few announcements and updates before we launch in. We are going to be putting a bonus episode in your feed. That is the recording of the commencement address that I gave at my daughter's high school. Many people have asked to listen to that. I think it's going to air July 15th. Don't hold me to that um, 100%, but we're getting that ready to go. And that will be dropped in your feed as a bonus.
0: Yes, and Gretchen, I was there, so I can attest. It is well worth listening to. It was an excellent commencement address.
1: Oh, well, thank
0: you. And Gretchen, we have another update, which is that we're going to do an Ask Us Anything About Writing episode in episode 438. So you can ask us anything about writing, how we get ideas, routines, the best tools, books that we like about writing, anything that you want to know about writing, how Gretchen went from being a lawyer to a writer, (laughs) all of that. Send us your questions. And then speaking of writing, Gretch, you have a new journal.
1: Yes, I am so excited about this journal because it's not like anything I've ever seen before. It's a five senses journal. Big surprise. uh, Because I had sort of cobbled together my own five senses journal just in a regular blank notebook. But this is beautifully made. It gives you a place to write your most notable impression for a day, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching. It's a six-month journal because it's five senses plus the sensorium, which I think is nice. Like, I think six months is kind of maybe like a very manageable um, time. And then you can, if you wanted to keep going, if you want to do the whole year or keep going, you just can do another journal. They're not tied to any particular date. And there's also, there's space for you to do a five senses portrait. It's just really fun. And I'll post some photos in the show notes. And if you want to check it out, just go to happiercast.com slash journals, and you'll see... But I'm really excited to get these into people's hands because I really, I've never seen anything like this before. You know what's funny? It's also kind of like a gratitude journal because mm. I'm a person who was very annoyed by my gratitude journal when I kept mm. one for the Happiness Project writing. But this serves as a gratitude journal without getting me annoyed the way that one did, which was something right. I didn't expect to find.
0: Well, I saw you did a five senses portrait of Barnaby the other day and I yeah.
1: appreciated that. Yeah, for his birthday. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Very cute. Yeah, and now I can put it in a journal and really keep it as a keepsake instead of just yes. having it as a document in my computer, which is what the fate of so many things that I that <laughs> yes. I that I write. Which is something we could talk about in our Ask Us Anything. What do you do with all that random stuff you write? I know you and I both struggle with that. Okay, this week our tried this at home tip. This I really am into this strategy, which is if you want to make a good connection with a stranger, talk more than you listen. Yeah. Now, Gretsch,
0: this is surprising. Yes. I think we all think the opposite. So yes. explain this.
1: Yes. Okay. So here I want to give a caveat, which is this is new research and the way that they did it, there's all kinds of like, well, this and that and the other thing. So I would not say like, this is a scientific truth. But what I will say is reading this made me realize that I've always kind of questioned the reticence bias without realizing that I was not convinced that it was actually working. Okay. So the reticence bias is something that this research suggests that many people have. And this is a belief that we will be perceived to be more likable and interesting if we speak less than half the time. So this is the idea, ask questions, draw people out, let others speak more, hold back yourself and that's how you're going to make you're going to engage most effectively with a stranger. But at least in this study, and again, there's a lot of caveats that you can read if you go look at the study yourself. It turned out that speaking more than half the time made people find the speakers more interesting and likable.
0: So this is fascinating.
1: Yes. Can I just give you a real life example of this
0: the other day? Yes. So I was meeting a young writer who wanted to talk to me about something and we made a date to meet on the picket line.
1: Mm, As one does. (laughs) As
0: one does. um, So we ended up walking for quite a while and talking for quite a while. And normally you could think in that situation, I would be doing most of the talking because I'm the more experienced writer. Right. But it so happened that she had had a job, not as a writer, but on set of the show Jury Duty, which I was just very interested in. So I was asking her a ton of questions, and then it came out that she was a child actor, which I was very interested in. So then I was asking her all about that. So it ended up being that she did a lot of the talking. And Mm. you're absolutely right. I had the best impression of her. I'm like, I love this young writer. She's so interesting. And it is, I think, because like I feel like I really got to know her yes. and sort of know her world, know I got to know a lot about her work ethic because she was talking about work. So it was really interesting that had I just gone and been like, well, this is how I got here, and this is what I did, and this is what you could do, and blah, blah, blah. She would just be another young writer I met right. with who kind of just Floated by, if you know right. what I mean? Because I meet with a lot of young writers and have a lot of the same conversations.
1: Right. right, and you could imagine that this young writer, if she had the reticence bias, she would think, "Oh, when Elizabeth is asking me these questions, I should answer briefly. I should constantly deflect. Yes. I should constantly draw her out, trying to make her be the one in the driver's seat of the conversation." thinking that that was the best way to engage with you and to seem likable and interesting. But in fact, she was willing to answer at length. And that is what really served her and you and the conversation. Now, what was interesting is in the research, they speculated that this idea that we should listen more than we speak came from kind of a lack of confidence in our Mm -hmm. own speaking. I don't think that's true. And again, this is like not me as a scientist. This is me as a street scientist just talking about my own. I think that the reticence bias comes from this advice that we get all the time, which is you should listen. You should draw people out. People like to hear the sound of their own voice. Yes. And it's funny because at the end of the study, they mentioned kind of the Dale Carnegie advice about how to win friends and influence people. But they don't seem to acknowledge that that idea is really behind people's behavior But I think that it is or that it just is polite. It's like if you're going to be polite, if you're sitting next to somebody at a dinner party, the polite thing to do is to like constantly try to be putting the spotlight on them. And here's the thing. Once I read this, I'm like, I 100 percent believe in this. Again, apart from like the laboratory of it all, just in my experience, it doesn't work very well. You need to be in the spotlight yourself. You need to talk now. Whether it's like, how much is the percentage is right? You know, they did like 30%, 40%, 50%, 60 70%. It turns out over 70%, no, that's not good, because then you're just like monologuing. So there is an upper limit to this. Yes. But I do think that it's just like your experience on the picket line. When I think about when I've engaged better with people, it's when I do contribute more and talk more, you know, put forth my own opinions. Even in situations where it's clearly, as in the case of your example, where one person is sort of like in the spotlight, in the nature of things, and even more so when it's something like a dinner party where we're supposed to be here having a conversation. Like, why am I saying you should be the one talking and I should be the one listening and that's polite? I mean, that can't be true, right? Because then both people can't talk less. Right. And it is about making that real
0: connection, yes. right? And and it's by both. I mean, ideally, both people are talking and sharing something yes. real. Yes. And connecting. Um, I will add a caveat to this, which is probably don't need to go on about your dreams at length. Mm-hmm. Let's, let, let's not do
1: that. <laughs> no, let's not do that. Let's not do that.
0: Um, There are certain things people don't want to hear about. Yep. But there's a vulnerability to talking. I mean, I know sometimes if I feel down or tired, I don't want to talk a lot. I want to be questioning. This is probably a reason why I feel so connected to the people I hike with though, Gretch, because we do it a lot. Mm -hmm. People sort of take turns talking, you know what I mean? At length, like you do hear real stuff going on in their lives or, yes. you know what I mean? You can really explain what's happening. You know, one week, it'll be someone's talking more and another week, someone else. And then over right. time you right. really are connected.
1: Right. I mean, because when you speak more, the other person is going to learn more about you. That increases the feeling of similarity, like we're alike. And that makes us easier. Like, and as you said, the feeling of vulnerability, that sense of connection and sharing. Also it takes work to have conversation, and so maybe part of this is some people like they don't want all the burden on them. Right. They would like for you to be talking some of the time because that's time when you're listening, not talking. And I think your point is really important, which is that this is not about being fake. This is not about okay, what rule do you apply so that you can charm right. people with a total lack of sincerity. I think what's interesting about this is I really think I had a misconception of how to approach a conversation with a stranger in a way that would help make that connection. But as you say, obviously you're going to have more of a connection if both people are getting a deeper sense of each other rather than one person even being invited by the other out of politeness to kind of take the lead.
0: Yeah, it's funny because I think everyone... Knows this rule so much that you know ask questions. People love to talk about themselves. That they also recognize others doing it. 100 percent. That can feel fake in and of itself.
1: Oh, I have so experienced. I've had that where somebody it was like, and it was so obviously just like this perfunctory question. Yeah, I was just like, you don't want to know about me. Yeah, we're here to answer your questions. Yeah, I think you have to be very. That is true. That's like be very wary of. So, but it's, it's really just comes down to just connecting with people. Yes, right. It's not about, talking is not going to get in the way of that. So let us know if you do try this at home. Did you believe in the reticence bias the way I did? Do you find that talking more in a conversation with a stranger helps you to connect better? We are very interested in hearing about this. I will post a link to the study if you want to like dig into the nuts and bolts of the study. That's always interesting to do. Uh, Let us know on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook drop us an email at podcast at or as always you can go to the show notes this is happiercast.com slash 437 for everything related to the episode coming up we've got a first things first happiness hack but first this break
0: Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen.
1: Okay, Gretchen, it is time for this week's happiness
0: hack. What is it?
1: Okay, so somebody told me this hack, and I said, wow, I do this hack all the time. But to him, it was kind of a revelation, so I thought it was worth mentioning. Oh, and it's about kind of connecting too. So it's related to the try this at home. Let's say you're having an important lunch meeting with somebody where it's like a very important thing, or you really need to get something accomplished, or it's something difficult that you need to raise, or it's a breakfast with somebody that you're meeting for the first time, whatever don't go hungry. Do not enter that situation hungry. Eat something before you go. And maybe you don't suffer that much from hunger. Like, as you know, Elizabeth, I get really hungry. I get like yes, really hungry. And if I'm really, really hungry, that will distract me if I'm in a situation where what's really important to me in this situation is not like, oh, it's so fun that we're having this meal. It's, oh, I really need to have this important conversation with you. I need to keep my wits about me.
0: I never would have thought of this, I must say. I would think of it like before your commencement address. I would say make sure you eat something before that. Right. Mm. But I wouldn't think that it could be a good idea to eat before a meal.
1: Right. But it <laughs> yeah. does
0: make sense to yeah. have a little something so that the food is not the main issue, so that you're not depleted before this interesting whatever right. it is that needs to take place.
1: Because sometimes people take a really long time to order or the food takes a really long time to come. Well, also, it could be, it's
0: sometimes it can be hard to eat. If you're having a conversation, yes. Where you're sort of the one, uh, speaking of who's talking, the one who's having to do a lot of talking, it can be hard to get a bite in.
1: Yeah. That's happened to
0: me many times.
1: That's an excellent, excellent point. And a lot of times I'll do like a speaking event where there'll be like a lunch and then everybody eats and then I speak. But what I find is I don't like to eat right before I speak because I'm worried like, well, what if I get salad dressing on my outfit? Mm. Or like I don't feel hungry, but then I might feel hungry like when I'm up speaking. So again, in that kind of situation, I'm like, don't go in there hungry. There, I don't even plan to eat the meal. But I do think if there is a meal wrapped into something that feels high stakes, as you said, first things first, what is the most important thing in this situation? The most important situation is whatever encounter is going to happen. The food is not what's most important. And so let me make sure that I'm not in a place where I have to be very, very focused on the food because I'm very distracted by being hungry.
0: Yeah, so good advice.
1: And now for a happiness stumbling block. Okay, this is one that we all know, but we all need to be reminded of, which is never put anything in an email or in a text that you would be reluctant to have revealed in public.
0: Gretchen, it's a rule that, you know, we know, and yet, (laughs) and yet, we all do it.
1: We all do it. We all do it. Okay. One of the principles of teaching is that it's very good to give people examples when things go wrong. Because people will agree to a principle in theory, but then when you say, okay, this is how it can look when it goes wrong, it makes a bit much bigger impression. So I offer for your contemplation the Enron corpus.
0: What is the Enron corpus? Okay. Okay.
1: So if you do not remember your corporate scandals the way Elizabeth does, because Elizabeth Mm -hmm. loves nothing more than a corporate scandal, Enron was this enormous, famous, hugely successful energy trading company based in Houston, and it perpetrated one of the biggest accounting frauds in history. And in 2001, it collapsed. Top executives were convicted of fraud. Something like $74 billion were lost. But what's interesting and relevant here is that in 2001, as part of the investigation of what was going on, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, which is known as FERC, seized the email folders of about 150 mostly high-ranking Enron employees. And what happened, one would never have expected, which was that all those emails, more than 600,000 of them, became available to the public. In kind of an odd, weird way that probably wouldn't happen now, but it did. And this is studied all the time for all kinds of purposes, because most emails are private. And so this is like a treasure trope of people getting to see how actual people actually use email. And so it's been sort of societally valuable. But for the people in there, I'm just saying, go to enron-mail.com, and you can look up the people. And it's like, hey, my granddaughter was born yesterday. Here's a photo. I mean, it's like, it is... Everybody. Your emails. It is your emails are there. They are searchable. Your names are there. Nothing's redacted as far as I could see. And most of these people had nothing to do with the fraudulent behavior. They were just innocent bystanders.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing to remember. is yes. that it, if yes. You're like, I never yes. get embroiled in anything. Yes. I'm not going to do anything illegal. Yes. I have nothing yes. to worry about. <laughs> you, your texts and emails. Yes can be gotten because you are just someone who was nearby, right? So it's not enough that you aren't going to do anything wrong or be investigated. Yes. You know, others can be around you.
1: No. It's sort of like what our father always says about driving. The thing about driving is like, even if you're not the dummy, somebody else can drive like a dummy and you get hit in the accident. You have to remember, you have to drive with other people's mistakes in mind.
0: Yes. And what I always think about this, the texts and emails, is it's not that I've written something that's, you know, illegal that would get me into, quote, trouble, right? but I may have said something right, not the nicest thing right. or something revealing about myself to Sarah that I wouldn't want someone else, you know, like, oh, I got sick last night and here are the details. You just don't want people knowing like your personal thoughts about every little thing it would be embarrassing
1: right and this might make us sound super paranoid and you know because you're like why you can't tell your own writing partner about how you threw up last night okay fine that's right but the fact is we won't go into the details but elizabeth you and i both know people personally where this has happened Yes. And it is not a happy situation. It's nothing that they could have predicted. It's nothing yes. that you would have seen coming. They did nothing wrong. Yes. And yet, it's embarrassing. Yeah,
0: it's embarrassing. And just, you don't want to be in that situation. And I, yeah, it's hard um, with Sarah because, you know, we are texting all day long every day. And it's a lot of how we communicate but we are trying to call each other more when we have just anything, <laughs> it's, you know, just anything that is right. questionable.
1: Right, well like maybe you wanna just like rant on about an executive yes, and you just wanna exec- like, you yeah. wanna be able to just like let loose. And it's not that it's yeah. anything that's that would be objectionable or illegal, right. but it's just like, it wouldn't make you feel good <laughs> yeah. if, they, if it got out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I say this to myself, all the time. I said this to my daughters, don't be impulsive. Don't write in anger. Don't rant. Don't go on and mm. on. Just don't write anything that you wouldn't want to see reported someplace because, you know, what if you end up in the Enron corpus or whatever the version of that is?
0: Yes. And of course, now I want to go read all those emails. I've got to say it's Enron fascinating.
1: <laughs> i got to say it's fascinating, right? Because I don't know these people. So to me, they're like imaginary yes. characters, but I can imagine if it was you know, me or one of my friends or somebody I worked with, it's it's just, it's just not what you want. Anyway. Yeah.
0: Good reminder.
1: And now to take us up, this was such a wonderful thing to do a deep dive on, which is on social media. I asked, what's a positive trend that we should all pay more attention to? And what I suggested as, as an example was that I think people litter less than they used to in the past. I was in the subway station the other day, And I saw a person just like flat out litter. Like she had a box of kind of, they kind of looked like Girl Scout cookies. And she pulled out the plastic tray inside and just like threw the cardboard box on the ground. I have to say, and this is embarrassing for me, I just walked on by. Why didn't I stop and pick up the box? Mm. You know, I mean, anyway, it's a lesson learned. If you see somebody litter, pick it up yourself instead of just walking by, but. I remember like in Mad Men when they just like left their picnic with all their stuff. People don't yes, or you
0: remember a- people driving down the freeway used to yeah. just toss fast food containers out the window yeah. without thinking twice about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's a positive trend. Okay. Is, so here's a deep dive into a lightning round of positive trends suggested by readers.
0: Here's the first one. People becoming sober curious or skipping alcohol altogether. Mocktails and good quality non-alcoholic beer are growing in popularity.
1: Yeah. Someone said, I think we're becoming more emotionally intelligent as a culture and more open about mental health.
0: Uh, Next one. More and more places are dog friendly. I don't take my dog. She's a homebody, but I love going into a brewery and having a beer next to a chill dog.
1: (laughs) Uh, much less acceptance of offensive and degrading language as a synonym for stupid. Absolutely.
0: Uh, fathers being more involved in household management and raising kids.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, body positivity.
0: Yes. The percentage of Americans who support marriage equality is at an all-time high.
1: Yes. Um, here's one reader suggested several. People smoke less. Teenage pregnancy is way down. Millennials are generally less materialistic than prior generations. Recycling is a greater priority than in the past.
0: On the mental health topic, therapy is becoming far more normal.
1: And on the other hand, spanking or hitting your kids is less common and acceptable.
0: Uh, Someone says it's huge how people can work from home much more than before the
1: pandemic. Here's a thoughtful one. Admitting we may have been wrong and are seeking ways to do better. I'm continually impressed by those of us breaking or trying to break or in the process of breaking generational cycles of not great things. This covers a multitude of behaviors that are needing to be changed. Interesting. Mm, yes.
0: Um, someone says people seem to be getting the message about bees.
1: <laughs> anyone who doesn't know, we need the bees. We need the bees. Uh, smoking in public places is mostly a thing of the past. True. Someone says I think the development of things like GoFundMe, etc.,
0: help people take action to help one another in ways they could not before.
1: Right, I think of CaringBridge too. Sites like that. Yeah. Very true. Someone says, language learning resources are incredible these days. Google Translate can listen and check your sentences. You can watch TV shows in other languages. And there is an abundance of apps and teachers at the click of a button. Even if we don't know a language, we can translate so easily.
0: Someone says, I think we as a society are getting better at communicating, setting, and accepting others' boundaries, understanding that my way might not work for everyone, i.e. less shoveling advice as truth. We talk (laughs) about that a lot.
1: Yeah. And finally, more people are getting the help they need in ADHD. I was diagnosed as an adult, and it's changed my life for the better. These were so wonderful. There's so many things to be thinking about and being grateful that things are changing for the better.
0: Absolutely. Okay, Gretch, coming up, I have a Fryman Canyon related gold
1: star, but first this break. Post your job for
0: free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Gretchen, I love eating sandwiches like a grilled cheese or a peanut oh, butter <laughs> sandwich is my ideal lunch. But I'm very aware of my carb intake. So oftentimes I avoid sandwiches Luckily, Hero Bread has remade carby, empty-calorie bread products into fluffy, delicious versions that include no net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and fewer calories. Plus, it has protein and fiber. I have been using it to make grilled cheeses, and I use their tortillas to make a cheese quesadilla, and I am in heaven.
1: Hero Bread tastes great, has a terrific texture, and helps you meet your nutrition goals. Don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use Happier at checkout. That's happier at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Okay,
0: Gretz, we are back with demerits and gold stars. And this week, you're up with a happiness demerit.
1: Okay, now I think this really got under my skin, this mistake I made. And maybe this is an upholder, because, you know, upholders often, like, really, really don't like to make a mistake or do something wrong. So... Okay, so I was posting on social media about two of my favorite, very short science fiction stories. These are stories that I think about all the time, and like one of them happened to cross my mind, and I thought, oh, this will be a fun thing to post. And so I did. And what I posted was that there are two short stories that I think about frequently The Nine Billion Names of God and The Last Question. Now, the problem is that I accurately said that the 9 billion names of God was by Arthur C. Clarke, but for some reason, I misattributed the last question. I said it was Mm. by Robert Heinlein. Actually, it's by Isaac Asimov, which I knew perfectly well. You know how sometimes, like, your brain just, like, comes up with the wrong index card, and you don't even reflect on, like, is this right? Question it. And, of course, people on social media were like, actually, that was Isaac Asimov. And I was like, gosh, of course it was. Hmm. So anyway... They're both really great. They're worth hunting down if you like a great, very short science fiction short story or just like any short story. But yeah, Isaac Asimov, credit to you. Nice.
0: Okay, so now you'll just take a beat to say, is that the person when you're. Yes,
1: yes, I'll try to do better. Tell us if you're a gold star. It's your week for a gold star.
0: Well, gotcha. I am giving myself a gold star. Because, you know, in my 23 for 23 list, I had um, do Fryman Canyon 50 times. I call it my Fryman 50. And I hit the Fryman 50. Um, Yay. Wow. Yes. wow. Early.
1: It's not, it's, you're right at halfway day and you've done I the know. whole 50.
0: Yes. So now the question is, I said that I was going to go up to 80. But of course, now I'm thinking, well, really, since it was at halfway day, I should try to make it to 100. So we'll see how my pace oh. is during the summer when it gets very, very hot. It could slow down. But right, um, I'm definitely going for 80.
1: Oh, that's great. Oh, well, gold star. And also, because of go outside 23 and 23. I mean, you know that that's really also uh, all that good outside time. So it's like double the resources for this week, the calendar of catalyst has been updated, and now there's this very cool integration about how you can use it in your own calendar. If you go to happiercast.com/calendar, you can learn all about it. Elizabeth, what are we reading? What are you reading?
0: I am reading "Burn It Down" by Maureen Ryan,
1: and I am just about to start rereading "The Varieties of Religious Experience" by William James. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. To make a good connection with a stranger, try talking more. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you. Thank you to our executive
0: producer, Chuck Reed, and everyone at Cain's 13. Thank you to Bob Tabador, who is with us today. Hi, Bob. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Instagram and TikTok at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com.
1: And if you like this show, please be sure to tell a friend. That is truly how most people discover our show. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Croft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and upward. Bob, it's so fun to be talking to you again. It was before COVID when we were working with you the last time.
0: It's been years. I miss you guys so much.
1: I know. I know. I know. But I love it because I listen to
0: podcasts all the time, and I always hear produced by Bob (laughs) Tabador. (laughs) And I'm listening to you both every week. Wouldn't miss it.
1: Oh, fun. From the Onward Project. all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework.